Hey guys, Montel here, and thanks so much for tuning in to this edition of Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Now imagine your child is sick, and then you discover that there's something that you could do to bring them relief, but you must break the law in order to access that something, and to risk and risk the wrath of law enforcement, and worse yet, even maybe Child Protective Services coming in, knocking on your door, and trying to take your child away from you. Would you take that risk if you could help your child? Well, the new documentary, Weediatrics, explores stories of families at the heart of this issue. These brave parents went on camera to tell their stories in hope of creating greater understanding and maybe even getting some empathy for their desperate families across the country in similar situations. Here to talk about this issue is a producer of Weediatrics, Aaron O'Hearn. Aaron, thanks so much for being a part of Let's Be Blunt with Montel today. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Montel. It's a real honor. Absolutely. No, it's a real honor to have you here also. Now, can you tell us, you know, you come from a traditional media background. You're an anchor of, uh, you know, a local news station right now yeah. yourself. What? Uh, let's talk about what brought you and got you and Oaks Media mm-hmm. first interested in this topic. Well, it's it's funny because it wasn't exactly one of those straight line paths or a documentary that we were looking to make. I was actually interviewing a mother who was featured in Weediatrics and she had published a cookbook um, for her son who is was having some allergy issues and gastroenterology issues um, because he was very severe on the autism spectrum, which is common with kids who have been diagnosed with autism. And so we were talking about the cookbook and she just said, you know, if you ever want to do a story on how medical marijuana has helped my son, let me know. And immediately my antennas went up because we went from, you know, a a cookbook with, you know, cooking naturally and allergen free to I'm giving my son medical marijuana. And she started telling me that, um, you know, all there's a whole network of mothers who are desperate to find some relief for their children who are on the autism spectrum. And the only thing that really helped them was medical cannabis. Uh, So we started investigating a little bit, talking to her network of mothers. Um, We were introduced to, you know, what's called a Canamom group. And we started finding out that these families were suffering so much and there was no relief through traditional medicine. And so they were taking the risk of breaking the law, having CPS knock on their door because they felt that they were in a position where... I don't have anything left. I haven't been given any options. And so this is working for me. It's working for my child who is, you know, hitting himself or having um, severe uh, outbreaks. And it, it, we just found out there was an entire world out there that needed to be exposed. And, and I guess it would be, really- you'd be probably found out along the way that that entire world didn't only just include kids that are on the you know spectrum, but these are kids who are fighting you know, brain tumors and cancer yep. and uh, you know uh, retractable seizures and yep. all kinds of maladies that now we have finally figured out that the research has been available now for over twenty years. Yeah, that talks about the fact that cannabis can be an efficacious medication when it comes to so many different maladies. That right. must have been tough. Now, you were not the person who, uh, you know, did research or were interested in cannabis before she brought that up, were you? 
Not really. I mean, you know, I was sort of one of those believers of, well, it's a gateway drug and, you know, smoking pot is different than having alcohol and it leads to terrible things. And of course, I had heard about some of the relief it could provide for cancer patients with, you know, nausea, but not um, as far as some of these uh, you know, ailments where, as you mentioned, you know, with seizures, children having seizures, um, that could really just be the best kind of medicine without the horrible side effects that some of, you know, some traditional pharmaceuticals have. Um, so it was, it was an interesting journey and one that opened our eyes to a lot of different conditions in which, um, cannabis could help, yet no one was, um, allowing that research to be done because, as you know, it's still a Schedule One drug. And you know, but I guess one of the things I'm, I'm just interested, in, especially when I love talking to a person like yourself who really had no, you know, prior history with cannabis before you started this initiative. Did you really start to dig in and start to really look at the research? And I, I say this because, you know, you know, that's what we do here. Let's be blunt. And I try to make sure that I try to give people as much information as I possibly can to help families and people who are trying to navigate this whole dispensary thing and navigate yeah. the space of cannabis to get an understanding of what cannabis really is and understand that you have been fed basically, you know, a line of crap for yeah. most of your life. I mean, you know, most people don't know that cannabis was made illegal in the United States for the first time in 1937. And before 1937, this country was built on the back of cannabis. Did you, you know, people don't know that all of our forefathers grew hemp, you know, right. it was, it was, it was uh, unpatriotic as an American back in the 1700s and 1800s for you to not grow hemp. Uh, we grew hemp. We ate hemp. We, the entire revolutionary army of the United States was clothed in hemp fiber. The entire word canvas comes from cannabis. You know, the fact that every sail for every sailing vessel in America and around the world was made from hemp fibers back in the 16th, 17th, 1800s, every rope. You know, we even, you know, uh, there was, there was hemp for victory during World War II before even after it was made illegal, it was made legal so that we could grow enough hemp to make ropes for ships during the war effort, and then it was made illegal again. Most people don't understand that, you know, it's a plant-based medicine that's been written about in pharmacopias and cornucopias of medicine for over 3,000 years. Yeah. And yeah. now all of a sudden, you know, the shiny light comes on and people think that, you know, it has one or two medical benefits. But, you know, most people don't know that the U.S. government itself has had its own patent for cannabinoids since the year 2002. It had filed for it in 1998. We had funded research for 40 years before that, at University of Mississippi and in uh, Israel and around the world. Yet we turn around out of the other side of our face and say that it's not an efficacious medical product. Right. Which, I mean, there's a little hypocrisy there. Right. And it's it's very confusing that the U.S. would have that patent, um, but really doesn't recognize it for medicinal use. Um, and, you know, we did do our research. Obviously, I wish I had talked to you even beforehand because <laughs> I think you're so well versed on it. Um, this is great because there are some 
the facts that you included in there that I didn't know. But um, as I'm sure you do know, cannabis was prescribed as a medicine for a long time for a lot of different ailments. Most um, when, you say, when you say prescribed, most people don't even understand is that the only reason why cannabis is illegal today is because of the 1937 Tax Act. And that was an act that was put forth because of a guy by the name of Henry Anslinger, who was the biggest prohibitionist, ran the prohibition movement for alcohol. And even while he was running prohibition for alcohol, he stated multiple times publicly that he thought that cannabis, marijuana at the time, was a better drug than alcohol. It was something that was safer for use than alcohol. It wasn't until he lost his job over alcohol that he was able to recruit the money from William Randolph Hearst and Charles DuPont to then vilify cannabis because he was such a, you know, just a, a blatant racist in the time. If you read all of his writings and the reasons why he went after it, he went after cannabis because in a sense, it was kind of like a new re-enslavement tool. I mean, right. if you look at really look at it correctly in history, since 1937, since the Marijuana Tax Act went into place, over 80% of all arrests were people of color for cannabis yep. and right. has continued through the day. This is how we actually fund several of our for-profit jail systems around the country. And so, you know, the fact that, you know, we've taken something that, literally should have been researched broadly, though it was continued to, it's been researched by the federal government for over 70 years. Right. Now, through, you know, the Compassionate Care Act that was passed back and then first uh, Bush was in office, um, we recognized back then the value of this as a medicinal agent, yet still today, with all this information that is now made, you know, is available to everybody, we still have parents who are cannabis refugees. Does that not just shock you that these people who are just looking to have, you know, bring relief to their struggling children? Right. Yeah. I mean, I guess that was the most haunting part of making the documentary was that, you know, how do you deny a family, especially a family who has a child who is struggling or who is sick, uh, just a little slice of hope. I mean, and and maybe it doesn't work for every condition, but who is the federal government to deny that family, you know, a chance at some sort of relief, not only for their child, but for themselves. I mean, we featured, you know, one of the very unique parts of pediatrics is that we focus specifically on children, right? So um, there, it was, it's controversial in the sense that people in the federal government, in, really some of the medical community say, well, we just don't have enough research to see if that there's, to know if there's long-term side effects to using medical cannabis for certain conditions. Well, which is such a lie when it's been- It is a lie. Well, and the other, you know, the other point, Montel, for that is that we do have the research and the evidence that traditional pharmaceutical drugs like antipsychotics that are often prescribed to children who are very on, on the very severe end of the autism spectrum have horrible side effects. Correct. They go through early puberty. They have violent episodes. They become somewhat catatonic. I mean, I so I guess my feeling and, and our producers, Kimberly and John Earhart, we went into this thinking, you know, yes, we want to make this documentary about hope, not just about cannabis, but about offering these families hope and relief. But 
we also want the government to take a close look at how they're impacting these families' lives every day. And, you know, you mentioned that there's there was a risk and these families were willing to take that risk. A, a family who we feature in the film lived in California, where cannabis is legal not only for medicinal purposes, but it's recreationally legal. But you have one school nurse, one doctor, one principal, one neighbor call CPS and say, you know what? I noticed that th this little girl over here has intractable seizures, but they're not giving her the seizure medication they, sh they should. Instead, they're giving her CBD oil. And then all of a sudden, you know, they're charged with medical neglect or child abuse. It's wrong. And that's what's disturbing about it. It's absolutely incredibly wrong. I, you know, I, I, uh, about three years ago, four years ago, went through a journey in my own family where, you know, I have my, one of my daughters, my second oldest, um, literally uh, came down with lymphoma and um, a very virulent form of lymphoma. Saw one of the best doctors in the world. I uh, heard the doctor who actually wrote the protocol for, you know, the treatment of lymphoma. And I remember at the time my child, I uh, said my child, but she's a, you know, was a 25 year old adult. Um, <laughs> literally, we went to her office. She was uh, fortunately because of the Affordable Care Act, she was still on my insurance. And um, we went to see a doctor and, you know, I went in sitting in the doctor's office and I, you know, I started to ask a question. He said, Mr. Wen, I'm sorry. This is a conversation between me and your daughter. You're not part of this conversation. I was like, what do you mean I'm not part of this conversation? You know? And the question I was going to ask him was because they were talking about what series of drugs that they were about to give my daughter that was going to make her hair fall out, make her, you know, her skin, you know, flop off. She might throw up her esophagus. I mean, it's just, it's just the most the rudest, the right. most disgusting drug that you could ever think of. And he was telling me, I don't have a right to be a part of that conversation. And I stopped and I really thought about it really hard about it, just thinking, how can a doctor look a parent in the face and say that? And especially when, you know, but, but that's okay to give a child. But in that same conversation, my daughter was saying that, you know, well, I understand that cannabis helps. And this doctor who's, you know, a Western leader was like, well, I'm not, I don't believe in that. What do you mean you don't believe in that? Our federal government has been researching this for the last 30 years, you know, in places like Israel and other places around the country, mm -hmm. there is benefits to cannabis in cancer. Right. We know that they found certain cannabinoids that literally actually block the blood source of uh, the ability of tumor cells to actually get a blood source. So, I mean, how it just blows my mind. But how did you pick the families that participated in the uh, in the documentary? Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, that was that was a journey in itself, because obviously, um, you know, these families coming forward and going public with how they're treating their children was a risk in itself. Right. Because if they were hiding or doing this um, sort of undercover, then it, when the film comes out, the cover's blown, essentially. So um, we found these families through the network of um, parents who were looking through information through a grower in um, Colorado who was providing Haley's Hope uh, to children who had you know, several different conditions, whether it be seizures or who were on the autism spectrum. And um, his name is Jason Cranford. He's he's featured in the film Weediatrics. And, you know, we just started doing some research on some parents who were brave enough to come forward and say, you know, I, if perhaps 
if I play a little reverse psychology here, if, if people know the kind of suffering in which my child is enduring every day and in turn, which I'm enduring, um, maybe how could you really say, I'm going to come arrest you? I'm going to come have CPS knock on your door and say that you're an unfit parent. Um, so we really, I think we're thankful that we had several conversations with these families over a period of really months and, and what it was eventually two years about what the consequences could be, um, but what the benefits could be. And we really hope that, you know, when people watch this film, they understand that this is, these weren't just families who were trying to help their own children. They were trying to help other children too. Um, and, and so that's know, how we- when you, if you stop and you think about it, I mean, your documentary, though, there has been documentaries on cannabis before. And right. again, I think the documentary is more about the parents and the risks that they were taking than it is yeah. about cannabis itself. But we, I think you, you, you were right with your, you know, um, idea, uh, cause I think we would not even be having these discussions right now about cannabis period were it not for the documentaries that Sanjay Gupta did on yep. CNN that opened the door and opened people's eyes to the fact that there was relief being brought to children who were severely afflicted by different maladies. And that's what basically made this more acceptable in a sense, because I believe it since those, those documentaries aired, you know, if you look across the board, across the, the national, you know, the polls taken nationally, you know, those swung 20 and 30 points in the other direction. The people right. who were prior to that were against, but now we're recognizing the fact that, you know what, these are viable options. It's just like, you know, the discussion today that people are having about psychedelics, uh, where, you know, we for the longest time thought that this was something that was so detrimental and something that, of course, our government created itself in some ways, not just the, you know, the, the plant-based psychedelics. But now we're starting to realize that those psychedelics are having major benefit when it comes to various forms of, of, of you know, psychological image and damage or uh, issues and damage. So, you know, I think it was really good that you, you focus as much as you did on the parents and these are parents who were willing to go as far as they needed to go to help the children. Why don't you talk a little bit about, you know, maybe one of the stories. So I think that, so we became obviously really close with several of uh, the parents, but, um, and the families, we, there's two really that stick out to me, you know, one family, the Zartlers, uh, they have twin girls and um, Kara for years was extremely self-injurious. Um, there's videos of her punching herself in the head for hours, um, giving herself concussions, likely causing more brain damage than she had. Um, and she was, she had cerebral palsy and she uh, is on um, the, the very extreme end of the autism spectrum. And they live in Texas, which, as you know, have some of the most strict um, marijuana laws in the country. And nothing was working. And they essentially said to me, Mark Zartler did, if we did not try this, Kara would not survive. She would one day hurt herself so badly that she wouldn't, she wouldn't survive the injuries. And they were at their breaking point. Um, so they actually had a neighbor who reached out to them um, and said, please just try this. And Christy Zartler, Kara's mother, came from a me- comes from a medical background and she was hesitant. You know, she didn't know what to do. She was conflicted. And when they tried it, it, was, it wasn't just that she stopped injuring herself. It was that Kara finally became happy and at peace. 
Um, and they don't live a normal life by any means, um, but their quality of life has improved tremendously. And I've seen the episodes that Kara had gone through and then how she is now after she has a treatment and she is happy and they're happy. And, you know, Kara will never be quote unquote cured, whatever that means. Um, but she will live a life that has much more peace in it than she was living before. Um, so there was, you know, the Zartlers are extraordinarily brave people and they, you know, the custody of Kara was compromised when CPS did come knocking on their door. They had to go to court, um, to, uh, make sure that they could still be considered guardians when Kara turned 18, um, which thankfully was a court case they won. Um, but then there's another, you know, there's another family, the Selvas, who live in California. And, you know, I would encourage everyone to watch the movie because that is one of the more haunting stories of how um, it wasn't just because a doctor or a principal or whoever it was, we'll never know, um, didn't agree with the medicine that, that they were giving their child, um, which was CBD oil with a minimal amount of THC. Um, the fact that they chose that over an antipsychotic drug, uh, then they were essentially turned in and their little girl was taken away from them in the middle of the night um, for four days, uh, which is, if you can believe that, Montel, I mean, the little girl was seven. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Do you want to know how to become a social media influencer, how to grow an online business, how to make money from your laptop and build a profitable online company? Well, I'm going to show you how in my podcast, Living the Red Life. I built a million-dollar company at the age of 25, a $10 million company at the age of 30, and now I'm the A-list celebrity marketer that speaks around the world on how to transform businesses and make them profitable using Facebook ads, marketing, social media. My name's Rudy Moore, and I'm super pumped to bring you my podcast, Living the Red Life. I know this is going to become your new favorite podcast, and I'm going to show you how to grow a profitable online company step-by-step every single week. And I'm sure that while the four days that she was gone, she suffered, right? Yes. And they were scared because not only of the psychological damage that that would do, but what if she had another seizure? She wasn't getting the medicine that she needed. Right. Um, So those are, but I I do have to say the movie as a whole just focuses on the resilience of these parents and their determination and their willingness to risk everything to save their child. And I think any parent, regardless if you have a parent with special needs or you have six healthy children, you can relate to that, that need in yourself to stop at nothing in order to get your child the help he or she needs. Absolutely. Real quick, give out the, the link in the website because we're talking about it. And people are probably trying to find it. Real quick. <laughs> so it's called, it's Weediatrics, the movie. Um, and I'll, we can give you the exact link and it's on Google play and Apple TV. So you can download it right off your, um, laptop or watch it on Apple TV. Um, and there, it has a website and we have a Facebook page and Instagram. And, um, it is just, I, I will tell you, it is not an easy movie to watch. Um, it's very, it's, it's disturbing. It's saddening. It's frustrating. It, it's, it's maddening to be honest with you, but it is so important that we all understand what's at stake here. 
Did you, I mean, now you've clearly been getting some feedback since it's already available for people to watch. What's the feedback been like? So initially, you know, the feedback, it's, it's a little, it, it was mixed to begin with. And in fact, that it was, a, it was a topic that interests everyone. Whenever Montel, you introduce a topic or a documentary that involves children um, and a so-called drug or an unconventional way of treating a child, I think people get scared and they get frightened and they have um, apprehensions. I think what's interesting, and you mentioned this earlier, is that we included a lot of the research um, and provided scientific you know, evidence of, of the potential that this plant has to help a variety of conditions. And we did interview several doctors in Israel who, as you know, have spent really 50 years uh, researching the benefits of cannabis. And the most important um, element towards that part of the story, as far as the research is concerned, is that you had a medical community in Israel who was listening to parents themselves. Um, they were getting input from those parents. And there is a, there's a certain amount of trust that no one knows your child better than yourself, right? So a lot of the research and clinical trials that they were conducting and are conducting in Israel is largely due to the proactive nature of what, um, of what these parents did years ago. And some of that, what a lot of people don't know, is some of that research that was done, especially in the 80s and the 90s, was funded by the United States. It was. This yeah. is where people are so crazy. I, I find yeah. it just so disturbing that, you know, we can sit back out of one side of our face and make a statement of, well, there needs to be more research. Excuse me. The federal government has been researching cannabis through the University of Mississippi and through, you know, Israel for the last 60 years. How right. many more years of research do you need? Especially since you you nailed it when you know a pharmaceutical company can come up with some some synthetic drug that they don't really have not researched for more than five years and stick it in any child they want. Well, I'm not going to comment on my pharmaceutical companies, but I will say that there is a, there is um, I guess it's a it's a little confusing as to why too that you can that the government was directing a lot of that research to the negative effects as opposed to the beneficial effects of cannabis, uh, which is an important differentiation because you know you can say oh well we poured all this money into it but if you're if you have sort of an idea in your head of what you want the results to be or what kind of results you're looking for, that changes the research completely. Look, if we live in a society where we have a government that's willing to re-enslave an entire race of people and multiple people, and then you have information saying that the reason for enslavement is false, I would have a government that would try their best to study things as hard as they could to find some sort of a kink in the armor. But since the, you know, the original you know, filing in 1937 of the Marijuana Tax Act, you know, I think it was 1941 that uh, uh, under uh, Mayor LaGuardia of uh, uh, New York or De LaGuardia, um, there was a group of doctors who came together and said that back in 1941, that this was one of the most egregious offenses of law that had ever been passed in the United States because cannabis was a beneficial plant-based medicine, not one that was should have been vilified. So that was right. that far back. And then when we go forward and jump forward, you know, uh, in 1998, 19, uh, 2000, 2001, 2002, when the U.S. government filed for its own patent in its own patent application under, you know, the, um, uh, the, the, uh, not the, what's it, the, um, 
in the patent application itself, in the extract, it talks about yeah. what our government has already learned to be the efficacious qualities of cannabis. This is over 20 years ago. So, you know, all of the arguments that we've had, you know, I, I happen to be very fortunate and blessed to have been, had an opportunity to go to Israel myself, actually sit down in a laboratory with Dr. Mashulam in Israel, interview him on camera uh, back almost um, now 10 years ago, 11 or nine years yeah. ago. And, and Dr. Mishulam is featured in Pediatrics. We interviewed him as well. Yeah, he's just, he's an amazing human being, um, as I'm sure you found out when you interviewed him. Absolutely. But but he's also, you know, one of the people who is responsible for finding out and actually identifying not only the active ingredients within some of those, those pointing out what some of those individual cannabinoids are that have the effect that they have, but he's also the person who identified the endocannabinoid system. The reason right. why our bodies literally crave cannabis rather right. than what we think. And, and, you know, I find it just so disturbing that, you know, we have to seek out stories of the worst to just make a point about the best. And I, I say yes. it that way, you have to go after, you know, as, as a documentarian, you know, uh, people don't watch documentaries unless they're hard hitting and unless, you know, they are, you know, not salacious in their own right, um, controversial. And, you know, so we have to go after the most controversial lowest denominator to talk about something that's been proven to be as efficacious as it is. I, absolutely. And I just, I guess, you know, I sit here and wonder why are we, why have we let years or decades go by and have these families suffer or have individuals suffer when we know that there may be a solution, you know, mm -hmm. to just throw your hands up and say, well, there's really nothing we can do. We've, we've given it all we had. Well, that's just not true. And that's a sin. It's a medical crime. Um, and and I think that that's people really need to remember that when they watch this. Wow. What's been the reaction to the family members of them? Any of them reach back out to you and say this? I got this call. I got this tweet. I got this email. Yeah, I mean, so, well, what's interesting. Um, so all the family members are they're, they're doing very well. We keep in touch with them. I mean, they were pretty they were open with, you know, their close network um, when they knew the film was going to come out. But they were you know, really hesitant to tell anyone ahead of the film coming out because of that fear again. Um, I will tell you that one of the mothers actually sort of coming full circle when I mentioned that we interviewed a mother about her cookbook and that's how we found out about this network of parents. Um, she has actually gone on to work with medical cannabis companies and has designed a tincture specifically for children who have autism and it's called Hope. Um, so it's, it's interesting too how some of the families have really taken the adversity in their lives and have, have transformed, um, something that is, was probably so out of their, you know, wheelhouse of what they expected to do with mm -hmm. their lives and help so many different people. Um, and, you know, I can really say that they're, with the exception of one family who still cannot get medical cannabis because of the risk of um, the father losing his job, mm -hmm. um, all the all the children are doing much better than they were before they had medical cannabis. Well, wow. is there an update on a family, Erica Daniels' family? Is that the one you're talking about? That's Erica Daniels, yeah. So she and I are actually have become very good friends, and she designed um, 
the hope uh, tincture with the with the uh, help of Alara and and some uh, people uh, in different throughout various universities. Now, what did you want to accomplish with this film? Not only you know educating the masses and giving them an insight into what you know the plight of some families are, but but what do you hope comes out of this? Well, number one, we really hope that the laws change. Um, and that, you know, it isn't just a compassionate care approach. It's let's consider this as a first line of defense. Um, let's not consider it a last resort. Um, but really so that lawmakers take a strong, strong, hard look, um, not only at the fact that this is still a schedule one drug, but I, I would I would implore all of them to take a good look at their conscience after they watch this movie and see if they could, they really feel the same way about cannabis and, and its legal status after watching the film. Um, so that's number one, to get the laws changed. And two, I, I really would hope that this would inspire the government and the medical community to learn more, not only about the plant, but as you mentioned, our, our own system that mimics the synergy of the plant, um, because it's not taught in a medical school. They spend very little time on it. And I really think in order to build on the research that's being done internationally and as much as we can in this country right now, we all need to work together um, and, and move this forward and stop living in the dark ages. Absolutely. Now, did you get much, you know, you're an anchor. Did you get much pushback from your own you know, uh, organization as to the, for the fact that you did this? I didn't really. I took some time off, actually, from anchoring and reporting in order to do the film. Um, so I didn't get much pushback because I wasn't um, in the middle of anchoring. And, and I don't really feel I don't really feel that it, it's a it's a political film, although, you know, we're hoping it has um, some impacts politically. I don't feel it's a political film. I feel like it's a, it's a film that speaks for itself, that the topic and the people who are affected um, do all the talking, and and we're, we're just bystanders with a camera, and and really a way of putting the story together. Um, so it's really it's it's really about the families, and not about myself or the other producers. I mean, we worked really hard on it, and it's a labor of love. Um, but the families de deserve all the credit in this. But you know, now I, I I've been a very firm believer that you know the problem is in this entire industry is that we've spent so much time, everybody spends so much time trying to, you know, educate people about B2B business opportunities and make this a B2B where they've not spent the time educating the masses. You know, if people yeah. understood more about cannabis and the fact and the role that cannabis has played in our lives for the last 3000 years, I think more and more people would become more and more accepting. But then again, I don't know how many more people you need to be accepting when we most recent polls have come out and said that well over 89% of Americans believe that there should be act, people should have access to medical cannabis and over 70% believe that there should be you know um, not just decriminalization but there should be legalization of cannabis now in America. I don't know how yeah. much more we have to do to get to the next place. Um well, hopefully, pediatrics will put put everybody over on the other side because I, if I think, you know, I think whether or not you're a parent um, watching a child suffer and knowing that there's something there that can help, but there's just a antiquated law in the way, um, will get a lot of people to really be um, pro, pro changing the laws and, and and making this accessible and available for everyone, and with guidance, not just you know throwing darts in the wind and having to experiment. 
I mean, it, it's the way it's been done too is a tragedy. It's just, it's not, there needs to be some medical guidance for these parents. So they, um, and all people, so they're not just guessing. You wouldn't go into a drugstore and start guessing how many, you know, what amount of opioids you should be taking. Um, that's not legal. I mean, doctors are there to guide you and doctors should be there to help you with this as well. And it should be part of uh, their cornucopia of, of learning. But yeah. unfortunately, there's so many doctors who literally just, um, you know, think that they are walking gods rather than, you know, students like all of us and don't take the time to learn. And you did mention the fact that, you know, uh, even the endocannabinoid system is just now starting to be taught in universities as part of medical curriculum. And because right. it is an, it, it's an important part of our, uh, you know, uh, nervous system. Um, it's one of the only, uh, uh, it's the only type of nervous system in our body that literally works the way it does. You know, we know what the receptors are. We know where they are in the brain, in the peripheral tissue. We know how they're antagonized by various cannabinoids. We know which ones antagonize them. We've known this now for well over 20 years. And it's just been this, this, this pushback, 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 because we'd rather maintain the ability to lock people up than to help people. Now, yeah. if you had to put your, your crystal ball on, what do you think about this current administration? I mean, when you look about a week ago when now all the information has come out about the fact that they are even they're firing people for past cannabis use. Yeah. You know, I, I don't really know what to say. I mean, I guess I'm more hopeful for the current administration than I was with the last. But I, I think that there's, you know, unfortunately, there's so many things going on in the world right now. And everyone has been so consumed with covid and then, you know, we have the crisis at the border. I I, I hate to say that, you know, I, I hope this doesn't take a back seat. I feel like as a government, you know, our leaders are assigned to and expected to multitask and not, you know, put one issue ahead of another um, when this is an issue that clearly needs attention. Um, so I guess I'm hopeful. I, I don't know what else to be at this point, because after seeing these families, I, I, I just something needs to change. Well, I mean, I, I, we know that this administration, the current one, ran on and said multiple times prior to the election <laughs> the issue that they were going to try to address in their first hundred days. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, let's let's see what that happens. And then, you know, again, you know, we still have a president of the United States who hasn't taken a time out to even learn himself. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, if he did take the time out to learn, he would understand that, you know, this is a viable medical agent. Um, uh -huh. that his own government has paid for the research for, for now over again, 60, it's close to 70 years. Yeah. Right. I, One more time. Yeah. Where can people go to watch Weediatrics? Apple TV and Google play. Absolutely. And now you were going to say something. I cut you off. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. I just, I, I really appreciate you. Um, letting us have the opportunity to be on your show. I mean, you've done so much for this issue yourself. And I just think that the more people who will watch the movie, the more they'll be interested in educating themselves further. Um, and that's another one of our goals. But we really appreciate you um, helping us get the word out there about pediatrics. Absolutely. And we'll, we'll continue to, uh, you know, scream at the top of our lungs to make sure people... <laughs> You know, pull it down, download it and take a look because I think it's important. Uh, you know, from my perspective, education, education, education. The more you know, you know, the less things seem so foreign to you and the more you can understand. 
And that's unfortunate, the fact that we have not been trying, especially that's that's something that I think is, you know, should be born right on the back of this industry. Uh, this industry has done a, such a poor job at educating the masses. You know, yeah. more and more people understood the fact that, you know, prior to uh, it being outlawed, you know, the majority of Americans, you know, once or twice a week, ate some sort of a, a meal with hemp in it because, right. was, you know, one of the highest protein laden seeds on the planet. It was something that we utilized during, you know, uh, the entire early years of colonial life in America. You know, every one of our forefathers were involved in it. And so right. if people were to, if they knew more and more, I think they would be less apt to be so reticent in acknowledging its virtue. So I got to say Agreed. thank you to you for doing what you did. And, and thank you for highlighting the families the way you have and letting us all know, you know, what's going on out there. Well, thanks so much for having us. And we're excited for you to watch it too, Montel. Absolutely. I'm gonna, I did look at the trailer, which looked uh, that's got me hooked. So I will definitely, as soon as I get an opportunity to, to download it, I'm going to download it and take a look at it probably this uh, probably this weekend. I'm a little busy this, Great. Week, this weekend. Fantastic. Absolutely. Well, look, thank you again so much. You always have a home here. If you, oh, you know, thank you. Going to do another edition of the movie, make sure you let us know because we would love to have you back, Aaron. And, and you know, I'd love and, to be uh, back. <laughs> all right. Well, congratulations to you and good luck to how you do and stay safe out there. You too. You too. And healthy. Absolutely. Thanks. And make sure you tune into the next edition of Let's Be Blunt with Montel and download Weediatrix. Yes. <laughs> Thanks for joining me on Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Please make sure you're subscribed and hit the bell to be notified when new episodes post each week. We'd love to hear your feedback also, so please send us your comments. <laughs>